Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast, a sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question, does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? Um, I am Megan. And I'm Steve. So this is our second episode and today... We are talking about Cheers. Our first episode, we looked at He-Man. Um, now we're looking at Cheers. And next week, we're going to be looking at the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And that's basically our plan to do a cartoon, a live action show, and a movie. Um, uh, so we're rotating every three weeks. Um, but before we get into Cheers, the, the quintessential 80s show that ran for 11 seasons, we have a nostalgic snack today's unofficial snack of the podcast from our childhood is victory candy cigarettes victory candy cigarettes so steve do you remember having candy cigarettes as a kid oh yeah definitely candy cigarettes were big when i was very young i can remember them uh, a lot yes okay so i had a candy cigarette one time two boys who were a little bit rambunctious lived next door to us but, uh, yeah, so Matt gave me a candy cigarette. My mom found out, and I, I remember getting yelled at. <laughs> so that's my only memory of one candy cigarette my my whole life. So this should be interesting. Now, as we're opening the box, do they still do they look like cigarettes? Because the candy cigarette I had did. A little bit. I, well, okay. I will let you... I the box, you, I will say, looks like... Oh, wow. I am out handing you it your second like a, It candy looks like a cigarette. joint, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> so the box, to describe the box, Victory, it does say candy cigarettes at the bottom, but it looks like a Marlboro box, right? It looks it, like a well, box. Well, it looks like, like a cigarette pack. Yeah. yeah, it looks like a pack of cigarettes. Yep. The cigarettes themselves are like a, like a white cylinder. Um, yeah, they look yeah. sort of like a cigarette. Yep. Like I mean, a, there's no like filter, very, but... Yeah, a very thin... Um, the one I remember having looked like a real cigarette. I think... Did they have gum cigarettes, too? And they smell like... Oh, they don't... Does do, this have mint in it? No, but they smell... <laughs> it's not mint. They smell like... Um, they smell like the candy you get on Halloween that you don't want. <laughs> That's what it smells like to me. They smell like... They smell and taste a little bit like the dipstick in candy yes. dip. Yes! Which we are going to have later on. This smells like, this tastes like mint. So The, the Lickin' Dip or whatever it was called. Fun Dip. Yeah. Fun Dip, yes. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I have a number of allergies. There's some, so some treats that we'll have that I'll have a gluten-free version of or Steve will just enjoy. Um, oh yeah, this is not good. Tapioca, corn syrup. Oh. Corn starch, beef gelatin. Yeah, you can taste the corn starch. It basically, it tastes like I'm eating cornstarch with like a little bit of sugar in it. Mm. <laughs> it tastes like childhood, and I love it. <laughs> no. It tastes like stale candy necklace. Oh, yes. That is what it is. That's the taste. And the I love every bite of it. No, the candy necklace. Mm, it's good. No, this is no Pop Rocks. We had Pop Rocks last week, and I would I would 100% eat Pop Rocks every day if I, if I thought they were healthy for me. I can't. I can't finish this cigarette. Victory candy <laughs> cigarettes, the smoke that will give you diabetes but not lung cancer. That's their tagline. Much like my teen years, I can't finish this cigarette. This one cigarette. Also, 
Just an FYI, no, no. you cannot light these cigarettes. I, I, I tried as a child, and all they do is burn because so, they're sugar. So it will like brown and burn, almost like a marshmallow. It caramelizes. But it will not, It will. you cannot smoke it. All right, we are um, today, we're going to be rating things on a scale of yoo-hoos. So uh, for, for the snack, it's one out of five. For the, for the show, it's one out of ten. Um, for me, candy cigarettes get one lukewarm yoo-hoo that's been in my backpack all day on a field trip. Mm, for me, candy cigarettes, four yoo-hoos. <laughs> no, you are a liar, Pants! Four yoo-hoos for Victory Candy Cigarettes. <laughs> oh, no. I don't think we can be married anymore after this. Um, we're going to take a pause here, and when we come back, we'll talk about our memories, and then we'll go into the full review and recap. This podcast is supported by its creators and listeners like you. Help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. There you can find links to our social media. And this very podcast you're currently listening to. Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page. And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast. And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well. We also post bonus content about once a month. So like, subscribe, and follow. For a small independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks. And now, back to the show. We chose candy cigarettes because, to segue into the show, we're talking about a show about a bar. So, um... Back when you could smoke in bars. Back when, which they do in one of the episodes, yes. right? So, um, we watched four episodes of this show. Before I even get to the premise, Steve, tell me what your memories are about this show, and then I'll talk about mine. Well, let me set the stage. Prior to watching these four episodes for the podcast, the last time I saw Cheers was probably when it was on. 35 years right, ago. so it ran from 1982 um, until 1993. So it was not big in my house. We did not watch Cheers avidly. Interesting. I don't recall. See, I've probably seen maybe eight or nine episodes my whole life, um, including the four we watched. It was just, I remember it being a primetime kind of show, or maybe I saw it in syndication later a little bit, but it was just never, it was never a show that I recall watching very much. Yeah, that's interesting. So we've talked about uh, last time, just if you're picking up this time, Steve, Steve, in terms of pop culture, had a little bit more of an open childhood where his, his parents allowed them to, to watch different things and uh, partake in things like smoking or eating and trying to smoke candy cigarettes. Um, my parents, uh, I'm a Christian now, I grew up in a Christian household, and so it was a little bit more sheltered. So this show was on from 82 to 93. I would not have been allowed to watch it in the early days, right? So basically, my memories of this are middle school, um, still on the air, right? I'm not that old. <laughs> still on the air as I'm in middle school. And by that point, it was on in syndication. So um, I had a hard time in middle school like i i had more um activities and friends in high school but middle school was like that awkward teen phase and i would come home from school i had a couple hours before my brother got home and my parents um and i would do my homework and i would uh sometimes watch the guiding light (laughs) my my one soap opera um which i would also not have been allowed to watch And then I put on Cheers, and it was just for me, 
at that point just kind of like it's like my macaroni and cheese show mm-hmm. like just kind of comforting and it's a group of friends and it's funny it's predictable enough that you can kind of half pay attention um while you're doing your homework <laughs> which is i don't recommend to people <laughs> but um yeah so i i kind of developed this fondness for it and by the time the finale came um i was allowed to watch it i was really excited about the finale they had a big sweeps week be you know right before that's where um networks would like hype things up and mm-hmm. do special episodes for more advertising and they called it sweeps so they they really hyped it up and i remember um I got a magazine about the show before it was ending and I like stayed up late because the cast was on Leno so they had like the finale was like a two-hour finale and then the news and then they were on um the tonight show and they were trashed (laughs) completely trashed you were like a cheers fanatic by that point, yeah. And then I bought uh, the DVDs, but I only bought the box sets for the first four seasons, So, which we're going to get into. So if you don't, if you haven't seen Cheers, like Steve, you haven't watched that many well, episodes. My house was more of an HBO house. Yeah, we didn't have HBO. And it was like the early days of HBO. So whereas a lot of people would have watched primetime stuff like Cheers, we watched movies a lot, yeah. which is part of why I have such a vast array of movie knowledge. We only were allowed to watch, too, and I'll get into this with some of the other shows. When we watched some of the forgotten 80s shows, like Small Wonder and Manimal, um, <laughs> we we only, as real little kids, my brother and I were only allowed to watch like uh, an hour total, but typically he picked a half hour and I picked a half hour. Mm. Because a lot of times we couldn't agree on what to watch. So in terms of prime time, we could watch things from like 7 to 8, maybe 8 to 9 at a certain point. Yeah, so to, if you haven't seen Cheers, uh, like Steve, because he was uh, watching fancy movies on HBO, um, it ran for 11 seasons, as I said, 275 episodes. Uh, a show typically goes into syndication once they've hit 100 they had a special at the 200th episode, and I think that might have been around the time I started watching it. The basic premise of the show is you have Sam Malone, an ex-baseball player, mm-hmm. um, kind of start where he's owned the bar for a while. You have these regulars. Um, Sam Malone is played by Ted Danson. We have um, the know-it-all, <laughs> Cliff Clavin, the mailman, played by John Ratzenberg. We have the barfly, Norm um, Peterson, who's played by George Wentz. We have the barmaid, or, or waitress, Carla, who is played by Rhea Perlman. And um, and all of those actors have done other things, right? Even if you don't see them all the time, John Ratzenberg does a ton of voiceover stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted Danson's been in three other TV shows that were pretty big hits, yeah. right? Um, Becker, CSI, um, and then The Good Place. Yeah, but this would have been Ted Danson's real big first hit, I right? think so, yeah. I, I, he had some movies, but I think they, they made... Three Men and a Baby may have come out around this yeah. time, but possibly a couple years It was after, after she started, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, Rhea Perlman had been in a few things before this. Right, She yeah. was a, a known comedian prior to this. Was she in Taxi with Danny DeVito? I don't know. I, I we have to I have to look that up. But um, at any rate, the, the idea is he's an ex-baseball player... Um, and Shelley Long in the first episode comes in and she's a grad student. She's basically gets dumped in the first episode and ends up being a waitress. Steve is having another candy cigarette as I'm explaining this. Um, 
And she ended up being a waitress at the bar. So the first couple seasons, the premise is kind of twofold. It's this fish out of water where you have kind of an elitist, pretentious person among the common folk. (laughs) And the humor comes out of that contrast. They also, in setting up this show, wanted like a Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy kind of dynamic where you have two strong personalities and they're kind of... Um, attracted to each other, but battling it out, right? So there's like a will they, won't they kind of thing. But the show really, we watched four episodes because the show goes through different iterations. So Shelley Long, who plays Diane, um, is actually not the first person to leave. Nicholas Colasanto, who plays Coach, he became ill um, in season three. He uh, visited the set on season four and then passed away. And Woody um, Harrelson replaces him as Woody Boyd, the bartender. So that happens in season four. Oh, Kelsey Grammer comes in in season three. I should say that. So Kelsey Grammer comes in in season three as Fraser Crane, Diane's psychiatrist and boyfriend for a time. Um, Nicholas Colasanto come, uh, leaves, and he's replaced by Woody Harrelson in season four. Um, in season five, uh, at the end of season five, Shelley Long leaves, and she's replaced by Kirstie Alley, who plays Rebecca... Um, and Rebecca is an interesting character. At first, she's very confident, like a businesswoman. And then you kind of see that she's confident with the people who are under her, but very unconfident, very kind of neurotic when it comes to her bosses. And then she dates one for a while. She and Sam kind of go back and forth. They're friends, but they're hooking up. They're friends with benefits before that was like a thing. Um, And you go through this period where Sam doesn't own the bar. It's owned by a corporation. And then he owns the bar again. Um, So there's, they really kind of kept kind of retooling the show a little bit in terms of what it was to keep people interested. and other people come in. Um, Babe Newworth, who plays Lilith, who we saw in one of these mm-hmm. one of these episodes, she's in there as uh, Fraser's first nemesis, and then girlfriend, and then wife, and then ex wife. Mm-hmm. So again, kind of following along uh, different iterations. And then it's one of the few shows that has a very successful spinoff because Fraser. The TV show spun off and had a number of seasons itself afterwards. Yeah, and I think Kelsey Grimmer, I don't know if he still holds the record, but he held a record for playing the same character for the longest... Amount of time. ...period of time, in prime time, specifically. So that's probably been eclipsed by The Simpsons (laughs) for everybody on that show. For voiceover, yeah. But but I think for live action, I think that he he may still hold that record. Because Frasier, I think, also... If I recall correctly, I think it went for maybe nine seasons, possibly ten as well. But again, we should do a fact check. But um, yeah, so let's get into the episodes. We 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 watched an episode first where Sam and Diane were not dating. Um, then we watched an episode from season two where they were dating. We watched an episode from season five when um, Woody had come in and Coach had left. And then we watched an episode from season seven when um, Rebecca was kind of an established character already. So, Steve, do you want to kind of recap what happened Yeah, Uh, the first one, Friends, Romans, and Accountants. We have Norm, who is one of the regulars at Cheers, played by George Wentz, and he's an accountant, and he's under pressure because he volunteered to throw the company 
party for this year's like I guess company holiday party or for party the, for the big boss for the big boss right <laughs> yeah and he didn't really want to do it but he did it because the previous year the person who volunteered ended up moving up quite high and is now his boss mm-hmm. so he sees it as like a rung on the ladder in his career um, but he freaks out after he volunteers because he realizes he has no experience throwing a party so Diane kind of tries to edge herself in. Diane tries to help him party plan because yes. she thinks she's very good at this. Diane Diane seems to think that she's very good at it. And I'm sure she is, but the issue, like you mentioned, Diane's a grad student. She seemed to be sort of upper middle, upper class um, grad student. And she tends to act that way too, And which is where when they brought Frazier in originally and the two of them are in a, a kind of a, a relationship. But she's a fish out of water in Cheers, which is a very common man, blue-collar bar. You know, even George, who's an accountant, is a low-level accountant, right? His Mm -hmm. best friend's a postman, right? And so her idea of a great party, of course, you know is not going to be really a good party. Um, And they end up throwing a toga party. And, of course, George is the only one that shows up in a toga because they're all accountants. Yeah, and her first idea is to dress up like their favorite Elizabethan poet. Yes, that's her (laughs) idea. And she talks about what a rager they had in college and how people still still write her letters telling her how awesome that party was. Right. So he doesn't have a date for the big boss, and Diane is asked to be that date. Well, first he asks Carla... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he asks everyone, they tell him no, but then when the boss shows up and he's an attractive, wealthy man, Diane changes her mind and says, yeah, she'll entertain the boss. Um, and then the boss gets starts to get a little handsy. Mm-hmm. George does the right thing and steps Norm. in. Or, yes. I'm sorry, Norm <laughs> does the right thing and steps in and breaks it up. The boss fires him, mm-hmm. um, but then at the end of the episode, the other accountants hear that he stood up to the boss, and so he, even though he gets fired from the job, he kind of goes out on top because they all respect him and think he's like a hero because he, because par- he hit, you know, hit the boss. And the party finally gets started. Yeah, and then the yeah. party starts. Yeah, as the credits roll. So first thing out of the gate, and obviously this is true of all the episodes, but um, there's two things. The first is that. Man, that intro is long. And as a fan of the show, I really like the theme song where everybody knows your name. I actually, I was singing the other words and I can't do it here for copyright purposes. But Steve was like, what are you singing? It's a great song. And even the intro itself is a great, like, it's like illustration. It's vintage. Vintage illustration. Victorian through like the 1920s, right? Maybe 1930s. And the point is that this bar has always been there. And that this is the place that you can call home and it'll always be there for you, mm-hmm. right? But a long intro where today, you know, there's two things. A lot of times watching things streaming, you just press skip ahead and we skip the intro. I would say 90% of the time, if that's an option, we can get to the remote in time. Um, but the other thing is, even when you don't, it's like, do-do-do, and then the thing starts, right? Mm-hmm. Like Then they have this long establishment shot, too. Um, that's where they do like the exterior before they go into the set. So they have the bar, which is the Bull and Finch pub in Boston and these cars. And I'm like, oh man, remember how boxy cars used to be? Um, the other thing is that most of the episodes, one of the cast members says cheers is filmed in front of a live studio audience, which I read in my research is due to the fact that they, um, People complained that the laugh track was too loud. 
and and it's not a laugh track it's a live studio audience which again is something we don't really have as much of so yeah i like to they have a little opening um all these shows have a tag that means it's an opening scene before the um intro song plays with all the credits yeah. and and in the earlier seasons i noticed the the tag doesn't have to do with the show Right? It's just like a one-off joke that they can't fit in anywhere else. Right. Later on, they I'm guessing maybe more commercials as well, but they need time for storytelling. So they kind mm. of start the story in the tag a lot of the times. Or at least like the B story. Right. Right. So But this wasn't that way, right? No, not for the first one. It's just kind of an opening uh, joke. Which reminds me sort of kinda of like the office. Yeah. The office, a lot of their tags had nothing to do with the episode. Yeah, they don't have anything like... to do with the episode. Yeah. Which is kind of um, a nice callback. So we we come in and uh, Norm walks in and everybody shouts Norm Norm, yeah. <laughs> um, which is funny. I noted, too, a lot of um, the dialogue is great. And even some of the side characters, like Cliff was not a regular at that point, but he says, what's wrong with you? You're shaking like a meringue in an earthquake. <laughs> like, just this great witty dialogue and these zingers that even the throwaway lines um, are kind of hilarious. But um, what did you think about the pacing of the episode? I thought it. I mean, I thought it went well. Was it where they were half hour episodes? Yeah. Originally, I thought it went. I thought it moved along well. I thought it's funny. I thought the jokes were well timed. Um, I liked Ted Danson. I think he did a great job in it. Um, I'm not a huge Shelley Long fan. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think she she played the character well. I mean, it's she she always strikes me as kind of uptight. Like I feel like that's a good role for her. I felt. Not with the other episodes we watched, but just this first one. So if if you know some trivia about the show, the Cheers premiered as number 77 out of 100 shows the week that it premiered, and it almost got canceled. The network um, executive, I think it was Brandon Tarkatov, but he, whoever was the head of NBC at the time, was like, let's keep it for a few more weeks. If this had been now, it would have been axed, right? Yeah, it, may, it wouldn't have made it they past don't, its pilot. Unless it, unless it had premiered on Netflix where it has 10 episodes right. for people to binge. But um, it probably wouldn't have gone more than two or three weeks. But he believed in it or possibly just believed in Ted Danson and the team that they had assembled. He saw something there and he was like, give it a shot. So this was like episode seven, I think. I didn't feel like they gelled as like a cohesive team quite yet sometimes that takes an ensemble cast like this a little while to get to um and i thought it was but it is supposed to be a boring party as well so you have these long shots of it being a boring party which are not the most interesting things to watch right yeah. but in so in terms of storytelling for me this particular episode not really there but again the dialogue is so good and the jokes are there, and it is like that old, like, joke, beat, beat, joke, yes. beat, beat, joke, and then maybe they'll go for a scene. Um, they try to work in tender moments in there as well, so that it's not just like zing, 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 zing constantly. And I think that that's one of the keys, in the you know, you mentioned The Office, but shows like this in The Office I like because they have humor and they have heart. And I think if it was just the humor... There's a couple shows like um, 30 Rock I was talking about the other mm -hmm. day. 30 Rock has a lot of funny jokes, but there's no, to me, 
the, the episodes that I've seen, there's no heart there, right? This does have that. You feel for Norm um, with what happens to Diane. You feel for her, too. Sam comes in to comfort her after she's kind of harassed. Um, and even though they're kind of verbally sparring the whole episode, they have, like, this, like, very nice moment together, right? Um, well, it's interesting, too, because, you know, I mean, I'm sure they, they were setting Sam and Diane up from the beginning as possibly, like, a romantic thing. So Sam and Diane have this kind of like back and forth, but it's it's flirty and a little bit like it it's joking, but it's tongue in cheek and it's kind of comforting at the same time. Whereas then you have Rhea Perlman who is adversarial against Diane, yes. right? Yes, and um, Carla does not like. Ca- her yeah, at Carla all. doesn't like Diane, and it's like aggressively, but it's hilarious because. She says some of the things that sometimes you're thinking as the viewer about Diane. Yeah. And that's to me, you know, the point is to look back on things of our childhood and and ask whether they hold up and are they the same as we remember, right? This is not the same as what I remember. And, And I have to say that as a very pretentious teenager, I really identified with Diane Mm-hmm. And I really, like, shipped them, right? Like, I wanted her and Sam to be together. And now I watch it, I'm like, oh. Like, she's... I always thought that the jokes were, like, they're not as smart as she is, right? No, the jokes are that she's not a normal person. She's right. she's so um, neurotic and crazy. Like, she's just as crazy as they Yeah, are. she's the fish and out of water possi- in this scenario. Yeah, and possibly even crazier and things like in one of the other there's a different episode that steve did not watch with me where she wants to watch the opera and they're watching boxing and she just turns the tv station right like what are you doing um yeah those kinds of things or she starts like quoting poetry or she wants sam to have in one of the other episodes she wants him to have an appreciation for non-representational art Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Those types of things. And um, you can kind of be like, yeah, if somebody dragged you to that and you weren't into it, you would be like, oh, dear. Um, this this episode didn't age well, mainly be just, I mean, the hum- some of the humor is good, but mainly just because of the piece near the end where, where Shelley Long as Diane is being sexually harassed by Norm's boss. Yeah. And almost, I mean, almost borderline on him, him attempting to rape her. And... Norm comes in, grabs him, and throws him off, and then Norm gets fired. Right. So and Norm, be doing the right thing, is the only one that has any accountability. So here's basically how the scene is set up. He wants to talk to her privately. The big boss is played by James Reed, who is also known for being Elwood's father in Legally Blonde. Huh. Um, but And he looks a little like Nathan Fillion, which is interesting, because he was also on an episode of Castle. Um, but he he wants to uh, talk to her privately. So they go back into the pool room, which is a separate set. When they go, everybody else leaves. He makes it seem like that's because he's the boss and they don't want to have him bumming out their party. But the party's already a bummer, so you kind of have to ask, like, he's with a girl and they know that he wants to be alone with the girl. That's kind of how I read it. Yeah, because there's a lot of subtext earlier in it when when Norm is trying to 
find someone to like entertain the boss that it's it's almost like a setup escort piece it's not like yeah. just talk to the boss it's like this is like a g-rated wall street basically yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how i saw it and they're they're having this party norm dresses up in a t- toga he says things like i know sam you think i'm a kissy don't you which they can't say kiss ass so <laughs> probably mm-hmm. i shouldn't have either but they can't say that on tv at the time so right. they have like these words but you know what he means um, and so, yeah, basically what happens would not hold up today. Um, they are having, it's, it's not even what happened because we've seen during the Me Too movement, people being harassed and being fired for it, right? Or other people knowing about it and being fired. It's what happens after they kick out the big boss that, um, and I wrote down some of the dialogue. So... Sam comes and they have this tender moment and he says, you must be hurt and angry. And I was like, wow, for like 1982, that's pretty progressive. And then she says, no, I brought this on myself. And she goes, and now I feel, and he goes cheap. And she's like, yeah, I feel cheap. She, she says, I threw myself at him, totally sacrificing my dignity and pride. And then Sam says, what's wrong with that? I do it all the time. Yes. Which is a good line. You can hear me kind of laughing as I say it. But the point is, like, she's blaming herself. And he's basically like, yeah, you should feel cheap. You saw a guy who had money and you wanted to flirt with him. And you brought this on yourself. Which, if you look at the situation, I realize it's a G-rated show. Mm. Even though for all the sex talk. But if you look at the situation, she went into a pool room filled with people at a place where she works. Like, she really should feel safe in that situation. And, yeah, she was flirting with a guy that was cute and had money and has a good job. Right. Well, part of Sam's reaction is jealousy as well. Oh, yeah. He's angry with her because she went after this guy. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. But if, if you had a situation where... If I had a situation where I was flirting with somebody at work and then they assaulted me, I would not be like, well, it was my fault. But that's because I live in 2022 and not 1982. Right? (laughs) Right? That's the difference. So then we jump to season two, episode seven. Yeah. I want to say that's basically just how it ends, right? Norm gets lifted up in the chair. Mm -hmm. Oh, they go, Norm punched out the big boss. And he's like, yeah, I pushed him around a little. And they're like, no. And they yeah. pick him up, and then the, the parties and the Oompa band from the 40s that they've hired. Right. <laughs> Which is supposed to be even funnier because at that time it would be like their parents' or grandparents' yeah. music. Um, and that's that's the end of the episode. So, yeah, Old Flames. Old Flames is our next episode. That's from season two. So, we have this tag of uh, Norm's on a date. And he's left them watching Gandhi, which is like a three and a half hour movie. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people don't remember that movie, but uh, it's quite long. And um, so he's having a beer while she's at the movie. Um, but basically the premise of All the Flames, do you want to do you want to do the recap? Yeah, I mean, to, to put it simply, it's basically um, Sam and Diane are now dating. It's the next season. It's middle of the next season. Sam and Diane are dating. Um, they have sort of a rough relationship to begin with. They fight a lot um, because they're so different, but that's kind of a passion thing, I believe, in their relationship. Um, one of Sam's old buddies comes in. 
who who is a sportscaster, Dave. but Dave, and he's who, just gotten divorced. He's just gotten divorced, and he's looking to hit the town. Him and Sam, when they were baseball players, used to go after ladies together, and so he wants a wingman and Sam. He's tempted to do it, but then he says, you know, no, because of Diane, and so his friend Dave, um, who is played by, I don't remember the 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 name of the actor but he was in later in the 80s he was in hunter which was a very good cop drama so i think that he is the guy who was originally supposed to be in the sam role and he was supposed to be an ex-football player oh okay yeah i was gonna ask you if you knew him from sports no fred dreyer fred dreyer yeah i knew him from hunter which was a cop drama Mm -hmm. later in in the 80s but so he he basically he's trying he's he basically makes a bet that he can break up Sam and Diane within twenty four hours, um, and that's kind of what the most of the piece of the episode has got to do. Sam's black book where he keeps all the addresses and it's very thick of all the ladies that he's been with because Sam's got this ladies' man kind of reputation about him um, comes into play, um, and we could talk about that in a minute. But, um, yeah, so it's 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 an interesting, um, it's an interesting episode. W- what were some of your key pieces? Some of my key pieces were, again, uh, some weird sexual harassment stuff. <laughs> Um, not as, as prominent as before, but like that Dave comes in and he looks at Diane and he goes, Hey, wonder buns. <laughs> and she just like yeah. rolls her eyes and has to deal with it. Um, there's a lot of locker room kind of talk about quality versus quantity in terms of the girls they've gotten. And the one town was quantity and the other town was quality. And Norm says, where'd you have both? And they're like, Vegas. Right. <laughs> And the other thing that struck me, just as a general comment, again, as a younger, I guess not kid, but tween, I'll say, like, right, 11, 12, Mm. watching this show, I was like, oh, they're finally together, and they're so hilarious. They have such a toxic relationship and very clearly should not be dating. I'm, like, really in Carla's camp on this now as an adult. Um... I feel like if you haven't just married your college sweetheart or your high school sweetheart, um, Steve and I found each other a little bit later in life, but if you have only dated one person, you might not have had this experience, but I think everybody at some point dates that person where you're mixing up passion and attraction for actual love, right? And she at one point, he's like, are you angry at me? And she looks at him and says... I hate you with the white hot intensity of a thousand suns, (laughs) which is such a good line. But in real life, it, uh, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Um, but I thought that it was a funny episode. I thought the humor was there. The, the clowning around of, um, John Ratzenberg and, uh, Cliff and Norm, uh, clowning around. They, they're like, I touched the book. And they have this kind of clownish moment. They, they, particularly John Ratzenberg, who played Cliff, really ad-libbed a lot of his jokes and fun, uh, fun facts that we see later on. Yeah. Um, and I think they were kind of a standout. But the, the and by this point in season two, George and Cliff are, are uh, Norman Cliff. I'm sorry, are a much more um, they're they're they're, but, they're a much more worked out. Yes. best friend buddy team yeah definitely and um and we do have even though it's it's toxic 
we do have really good chemistry between Ted Danson and Shelley Long. I think that the ensemble is much more together by season two than they were in season one. So if you go to, we watched this on Hulu, I should have said, but if you go to watch this show, the first season I think is finding its legs, you know? It is, yeah. And by by the end of the first season and then into season two, you kind of have it it getting there and finding its stride. My other note was at one point, Dave brings in two girls um, and tells Sam, I can't take both of them home. Yeah. And he goes, just take her home. And he says, where do you live? And she says, uh, Chicago. Chicago, <laughs> yeah. And she's in Boston. She's in Boston. So, yes. But um, my, I love that the, the two girls are supposed to be, like, kind of bimbos. This show is famous for, like, before Sam and after Sam and Diane and before Sam yeah. and Diane. There's a bimbo every week. Yeah. But the They're bimbos, stewardesses. But they're dressed in... I don't it, the, like such eighties clothes, but you would think tight and short and shiny, right? Yes. No, no. Big sweater on the one, and a long plaid skirt that reaches to her ankles, and then awkward-looking shoes. And the other one has on a, 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 a the big shoulder pads. Yes, the big shoulder pad yeah. jacket. So I put like, where are these people going? <laughs> <laughs> Where are they going? They have big shoulder pads and these huge sweaters and long skirts. They're not dressed. They're not dressed like little sex kittens, which I yeah. guess is good. I complained about He-Man being sexualized for the women, but yeah, it's it just kind of funny. So my highlights of the episode, the, the main, you know, it, this is an ensemble cast, so you have side things going on. Yeah. And I'll say that the main plot to the episode to me was it's a bit predictable i mean we've seen it before it's you know people in a relationship one of them has a history and now they're being tempted uh, you know by the end they're going to make the right decision which is what happens it's kind of what i felt it doesn't take away from it i thought it was a good episode but some of the highlights i got was coach which you see yes. more of coach in this episode and coach you know being an older man probably 70s maybe 80s i don't know where he's supposed to be but that's the age you get and he's he's a man who his comic relief comes in for the fact that, I mean, honestly, nowadays you'd look back and go, Coach really is borderline dementia. Like, he's losing he's his facilities. So kind. But he's kind, and, and it's done in a in a funny way. Um, like, you know, Coach is working at the bar, and he's ne- next to Sam who's talking to somebody, and Coach all of a sudden picks up the phone and goes, Cheers! And Sam goes, Coach, that rings in your head, it's and he goes, Carla. "Yeah, oh, yeah. Carlos has that rings, that, in, that rings in your head." And he goes, "Oh, okay," and he hangs up. And then a little bit later in the episode, he's sitting there talking to Norm, and the phone's ringing, and he doesn't answer it. And Norm goes, "Coach, the phone," and he goes, "No, that's in my head, Norm." Yeah, and I, I, I have to say about Coach, which uh, is that I won't say which relative. But he reminds me of one of our relatives. But yeah, somebody very sweet, but with maybe a little bit of a memory problem. And um, I I think that you're right. I, Carla, we don't see much of. Each of the side characters has like kind of character-centric episodes. This just happened to be, for the purposes of this show, a more Sam Diane episode. But Carla has some great episodes. Rhea Perlman has really funny acerbic lines. She reminds me of a different family member. But well, she's very, like, quick-witted. In this episode, she's less playing off of Diane, which a lot of time it's their, like, their relationship that's contentious, that's kind of a, a, a pillar here. But this time she's playing the straight man to coach. 
She yes. does it with a telephone gig, and there's also another gig in the same episode where Coach and her Coach is going to drive her home, and she says they get halfway to the door, and she says, "Coach, don't forget your keys. You always forget your keys." And he says, "No, I figured it out. I left them in the car." And she goes, <laughs> "Aren't you afraid someone's going to steal the car?" And he goes, "No." He goes, "No, it's fine. I locked it." And she goes, well, how are you going to get in the car? And he goes, oh, I made extra keys. And he goes, oh, I almost forgot those. And he goes to the bar to get the extra keys to get into the car. And then as, as they have a throwaway line right at the end of that. As, they're, as they're walking, hear. he goes, we need to hurry because it's starting to rain. And I left the windows down. Yes, which, right? is, which is hilarious. And it's so fast. And, and another joke comes, another part of the story comes back in with Sam and Diane that you almost missed that joke. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the two of them together as a comedy duo is is really kind of unexpected and fun. I also want to say Ted Danson, Ted Danson has a highlight here, and then we'll close and go to the next episode because we're going to talk about this forever. But he goes, he goes home with this girl. They fool around. They're about to sleep together. He says no, and he sends her home. So he sends her home, and he's like, uh, he's like, Diane, the best thing happened last night. And he takes her to the office and he's jumping up and down. so excited. And she's looking at it like, is he going to give me a gift? Or is he going to tell me a secret or a surprise? Or what, what great thing happened? And he's like, I was with this girl and things were getting hot and heavy. And we were in the sack and I stopped. And she's, of course, reacts the way that you would. What? You cheated on me. How could you? Why would you do this? And he goes, no. I looked at her. I said, hey, Dee Dee, I got a chick. Which is yeah. the best line. Um, and then uh, Dave comes back in and they, they Sam makes a speech and then they're all lovey-dovey. And he kisses her in front of Dave, which I found really weird. And uh, Dave says, yeah, Dee Dee said you were a great kisser. And and." Diane goes, what? And bites his lip while they're kissing. (laughs) And that's how the episode ends. So, um, yeah, I think better than the first one we watched. I liked the dynamic that was there. And then we come to season five where we have Woody and Frasier. And another, this is Lilith's second appearance on the show. Um, So, Abnormal Psychology. Yep. And interestingly, this, this episode had... Features both Woody and Frasier yeah, a little and bit in it. What yeah. I I think starts to happen, and I notice this is something that happens at the office too after Michael Scott leaves, but really what you see happening as Shelley Long, I think by this point kind of knew, knew that she was leaving. A lot of people thought that she was leaving for movies, but I think really it was just she didn't feel like she fit in with them. And you have to be at work with these people eight hours a day, right? And just like her character on the show didn't fit in, she kind of felt like she didn't really fit in. Um, I don't think it ever was, it doesn't seem like super contentious, just like not a great fit. And for the storylines to keep going, having her there, it wouldn't have worked. But what starts to happen by season five is that you see more of the ensemble. And so it's less just about Sam and Diane like it was those first couple years. And I really liked that. I really liked that we got to see other characters here. It's also the beginning of Woody. Because it's yeah. season five, but it's episode four. So Woody has not been with the bar for very long. No. 
he's still new. And it's interesting because, you know, as we look back on it now, I mean, Woody Harrelson is probably arguably one of the biggest stars that was on Shears, but he's relatively a no-name at this point on as yeah, far as is, the cast member. As far as I know, this is the first thing that I know him from. Yeah. I mean, he might have done it, guest spots. It was the first thing that made his name, basically. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we have abnormal psychology, and um, Frazier is invited to be on a TV show. Um, he finds out that Lilith is also going to be on this TV show. They went on a date. It did not go well. I think that's kind of putting it mildly. And um, so he doesn't want to do it, but then she comes into the bar um, they talk him into doing it, and then Diane decides that she she thinks that Fraser likes Lilith, so she decides to help help out by um, giving her like a makeover, basically, which we'll talk about in a minute. So they go on this show. They start very heavily flirting <laughs> with each other while on air, and the 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 passion is clearly there. Um, they come back to Cheers, and now they've had some sort of a, an argument. And um, and then Diane gets Lilith to take her hair back down, and then she and Frasier start, they leave. Yeah. <laughs> Which, she jumps into Frasier's arms, and he carries her out to, carries to, her go, out. Um, to, to go hold passion. hands. No, yes. to hold hands in the park. And that's... That's that's basically the episode, right? And also on uh, the Woody, the side story, uh, the B plot, Norm and Cliff are trying to get out of going on a fishing trip with Woody. So they're going to the movies and trying not to go. And then finally they all go fishing together. So that's the, the B story. Um, the C story has to do with Diane and Sam, which was very strange. Picking up in the middle of the season, I couldn't kind of figure out you know, what was going on there. They had broken up, and Diane was convinced that her and Sam were, like, the love of each other's lives, and they were getting back together, and Sam didn't seem to really be with it. He was like, I hate her. Yes. (laughs) But then they went out anyway to see a flautist? So, yeah. Um, I want to say, too, I should say this also in terms of storytelling for all of these episodes, but uh, this one, again, kind of standing out. This is a problem where it's a three-act problem, right? We introduce the problem, we have a twist in the problem, we resolve the problem in 30 minutes. We don't get that as much in in contemporary TV shows today. Right. Um, so especially with things like Netflix, Hulu, with long form, um, even, even comedy shows are less sitcoms where they're a situation comedy. That's where sitcom comes from, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of interesting too. Um, but it was fun to see Lilith. So Babe New Earth, I actually saw live in Chicago, the play, not the, although I did see Chicago in Chicago one time, but I saw her in the play Chicago. Wow. You would not have even known if you only know her from this character and you don't know that she also does like Broadway theater. Um, she played uh, one of the murderesses in Chicago, one of the two. I can't remember if she was which which one she played. But mm-hmm. I think it was in the movie, the one played by Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, the older one. Yeah, um, Velma. Yep. And um, uh, amazing. Like, 
gorgeous and made up. And here she comes in. Her hair is pulled back in the tightest bun imaginable. Yeah. She is pale like a vampire. Like she looks very like her name, very stern. Um, She's the physical ideation of pent up frustration. Yes, like that's what she's supposed to be, and and also the you know kind of the the same but female version of Fraser, who's very um, highbrow. Yeah, and he calls her an ice cube in heels. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> an ice cube and, you heels. know it's I thought this was an interesting episode because that that first that a storyline with the two of them in it. Obviously, must have been a hit at the time because not only does Frasier spin off, but Lilith repeatedly shows up in Frasier. Yeah, and it's the same relationship in she, in his show. Yeah, she becomes once they get married at Cheers. She she's like an occasional cast member, and then she's a regular cast member. Yeah. Um, and because she is so great, her comic timing. What I also want to say too is, you know, they have different types of guys at this bar. The know-it-all mama's boy and Cliff. Um, the guy who hates his wife, Norm, who's based on a real person, apparently, mm. too. Um, the the ex-ball player. Woody, I forgot to say, just brings this youthful exuberance. As much as we love the character of Coach and, and um, the actor who played him was much beloved, um, there is this youthful exuberance in Woody, the country bumpkin, who is kind of replaces Diane as that fish-out-of-water kind of yeah. thing. Um, but they also have different types of women, and to me, that's really interesting, too. You have Diane, who's the cerebral, um, but very neurotic. Lilith is cerebral, but not neurotic, at least at this point, at all. She has her stuff together. She is in control. Probably too much control. Yeah. <laughs> but she's very, like, cool and calm and knows what she wants, right? Um, Carla is... Uh, has some heart, but is like that cynical person who's seen it all. She's got like six kids at one point, and then later on she has more. <laughs> um, and she, and then we have Rebecca later on, the businesswoman. So it's it's really interesting to me that they have all these different female characters, and that even especially for a show in the eighties and and very early nineties, that's an interesting thing. You don't see that often. Um, the makeover is to me a highlight of this episode. It's basically big hair and wet lip. Um, and that's basically it. They, they put down her hair and they threw some lipstick on her and they put her in a, a red dress. And that was it. That was all that was needed, right, for the for the big makeover. And then we have this banter between Fraser and Lilith. And we had to pause it because we were both laughing so hard. They, they're doing, they're talking about working with people with trauma and Frazier starts going, well, I think when you start probing and thrusting into the person and trying to get that trauma out, like he throws the word trauma in there, but he yeah. really gets probing and thrusting over and over. Um, and, and then Lilith says, well, I find that a, a slow, methodical approach where you bring about the person and you're gently rubbing them until they, yes. until they finally have that release of drama and cry out in great ecstasy. Mm -hmm. And then you see them and they're playing footsie. Yes. 
And there's a lot of innuendo. And meanwhile, all the people at Cheers who didn't want to watch this television interview are are absolutely glued to the television screen yeah. because of the sexual tension. And then we on. have this bit that that would not work now, but only works in the eighties. And at the end of the show, the guy the the, the psychology show that they're watching, um, the guy says. Um, for a transcript of this show, write into P.O. Box such and such, and they're all scribbling down the address to be able to get the transcript. Diane and Sam are um, near each other at this point, and he's toweling her off. She's yeah. like perspiring. It's just a really good bit, and the humor was there. Um, I love that they they played up all the ensemble characters, you know, and, and Sam and Diane are really the C story, and that, to me, I thought was really was really great. So that's basically how it ends. They get carried off. Diane makes a big speech. Sam agrees to go, not a date, to see a, a flautist, yep. which sounds like a lot of fun. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, and that's the episode. So then our last one, um, season seven, episode 13, Golden Boyd. By this point, Rebecca was there. We did not watch a super Rebecca-centric episode, but she... Um, her character, I I watched a couple other episodes that I won't get into, but her character to me is kind of strange. I think they had a hard time figuring out who she would be. They wanted her to be like a confident, strong woman, businesswoman opposing Sam as he tries to get his bar back. Right. But then they want her to be neurotic. Then they're friends. Then they're kind of hooking up. But they don't have that same chemistry that he has with Shelley Long. Um, they don't have that same dynamic. So for me, kind of by the time she comes in, something's sort of missing from the show. It, it's interesting to compare it to The Office. Like when Michael Scott leaves, you see the ensemble more, but there's something missing. Yeah. And they can't ever figure out how to replace it correctly. And that's kind of how I felt here. Um, so the, the feelings that I had about that, having said that, um, I did think it was a fun episode. So Golden Boyd features mainly Woody Harrelson as, as Woody Boyd. Um, and, and basically, um, Rebecca comes in, and now that there's a corporation that owns Cheers, uh, they have decided that they're, they're doing catering or running a bar at this party for a very rich family. I think um, he's the guy who owns the corporation. Yeah, he Mr. may be the, the guy who owns the corporation. And so... Um, she basically ropes in Woody and Sam to tend bar um, in tuxedos at this like country club event. Um, and they go there. Um, Sam figures out a way to take it to his advantage. Somebody recognizes him off the bat as an ex-baseball pitcher and says, Oh man, you must really be low like low on your luck because now you're you know, now you're tending bar after being a major league baseball pitcher and the guy tips him fifty bucks. Yeah. It seems like, oh my gosh. So then Sam starts like telling people this sob story and getting all these huge tips until he's got a big wad of cash in his pocket. Um, meanwhile, uh, Woody um, meets um, Kelly, who is this uh, beautiful blonde rich girl she's actually mr gaines uh daughter so she's the daughter of the guy who owns the corporation that owns cheers now um and there's contention between her rich boyfriend and woody um and then you know woody of course a lot of the comedy behind woody is that it's it, he's as you said this country bumpkin but also he's just 
he's he's again sweet but not smart, right? He almost a lot like coach. He, he almost picked up coaches. <laughs> yeah. He almost fills coaches' shoes. Yeah. Coach was a lot of dimwit humor, but because like he was old and losing his mental ability. He took one too many baseballs to the head. Yes. Where Woody is like younger, a breath of fresh air, but at the same time he's also plays that dimwitted humor, but it's almost from it's it's just from ignorance. He's naive. I would yeah, say he's ignorant. naive. I would say naive, yeah. Um and so a lot of the jokes are played out of like Woody misunderstanding grammar or misunderstanding vocabulary. Um, things of that nature. Um, like at one point, I think the rich boyfriend says something like, "The proof is in the pudding." And what he says, "What'd you call me?" Nobody. Can. And he comes <laughs> yeah. and, he, and, he, and it starts. Basically, they end up getting in a fight. Woody mm-hmm. gets beat up, um, and then Kelly feels bad, and Woody ends up taking Kelly out on a date to to a monster truck to a monster truck pull. rally and tractor pull. Yes. yes. Which, of course, you would think is the least thing, last thing Kelly wants to do. It, but um, but she seems to like it, and uh, yeah. So it ends up with this whole con conflict between Woody and, and her boyfriend, and then at the end, Kelly chooses to go out with Woody again. Um, and eventually, they get married as well. Kelly and later, Woody. later in yeah, the show. later in the show. Um, I wanted to say about this, this has a very classic 80s setup, a lot of 80s stuff, um, trading places with Eddie Murphy, um, the Bill Murray, Scrooged mm. with Bill Murray. Um, there are a lot of things from the 80s that play on class differences. And this is, to me, a very classic 80s setup. So we, in season seven, we'd be 1989, so very end of the 80s, but I think, right? Um but we have the the rich snobs who are in really their pastel, you know, alligator <laughs> polo yes. shirts and and tennis gear, um, and the the working class guy. So it's a it's interesting that it's almost like that same setup with Diane, except that there it was. Um, you know more about education but here it's very much about money rebecca's kind of in the middle trying to claw her way to the top yes. so she's concerned about this party she's trying to dress in tennis gear and it doesn't work she's got a huge visor on yes. but they're inside it's holding up her big hair and she's kind of like it she used it to great comic effect but, um, yeah, some of the highlights for the episode, basically Woody Harrelson, really great comic timing, um, playing the kind of dumb guy, but he goes to ask Kelly's father for permission to date her, and he's like, in, in conclusion, I'm, I'm sweet, and I'll treat her right, and I'm hardworking, I'm honest, and he goes, oh yeah, and I'm sometimes I'm kind of funny too, people say, and, um, and then... The dad says no. He goes to play golf with the boyfriend. And then Woody finally kind of stands up for himself. And he's like, hey, I heard your boyfriend's answer. I heard your dad's answer. But I didn't hear from you. Would you like to go out with me, yes or no? And she's like, you know what? Why not? Let's teach him a lesson. So they both kind of agree to get revenge on this boyfriend. Yeah. And, and I Woody see- says, because I could... Because I could figure my way, I could figure out my way around. And he goes, "I'll pick you up tomorrow night." And then he leaves through into the do- into the coat closet. <laughs> the coat closet. Because he 
because <laughs> he doesn't know his way around. Right. He's never been to this house. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a highlight for me. Um, Kirstie Alley has some funny moments. Like I said, it's not a it's not a Rebecca centric episode, but she has some funny moments. She she jumps on Woody at one point to stop him from asking Kelly out, and she shows this great ability for physical comedy that I don't think was there before. I don't see Shelley Long quite maybe doing something like no. that. But um, I think the weird position that she's in, um, the position that Sam's in of like once having owned this bar, call it kind of falling back a little bit and trying to work his own way back up, that's an, an interesting storyline too. So, At this point, Woody Harrelson has been in the cast for two and a half seasons and he's kind of worked his way. He, he's He's much more comfortable I think in the role it's obvious you know it's interesting when we look back on Cheers because like I said I mean I I wasn't I didn't see a lot of it growing up but pop culturally I was aware of Cheers and when I think of Cheers I always think of Ted Danson and Woody Harrelson yeah but it's interesting to, to look at this now and go Woody Harrelson really wasn't in half of the show it well, wasn't until season the end of season four, season five, that he comes in. But when I think of Cheers, I think of Ted Danson and Woody Harrelson. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so that's the it. That, that was that episode. I don't want to. I don't want to spend too yeah. long on it. We basically watched it to see an episode that had Rebecca. Um, but definitely Woody Harrelson kind of finding his way with. To me, it becomes really an ensemble. I mean, Ted Danson's leading it still, but it's an ensemble cast. It is. Way more than it was the first two seasons. Um, so overall impressions. Does this hold up? Um, to me, the the will they, won't they with Sam and Diane, um, <laughs> it's fun to watch, but they do everything that a couple should not do when fighting. I mean, she calls him dumb basically every time. He calls her a snob. He makes comments about different women and how they were better than her. She says, I should have stayed with so-and-so. I mean, every the name-calling and the bringing mm. up of the past. If you are going through marriage counseling, <laughs> watch the show to see what not to do. Yes. Um, or <laughs> take notes and say, everything that they do, don't do that. Um, but it is fun. The dialogue holds up. You know, there are some anachronisms in terms of how they're treating women, obviously. But I also think that in other ways, this show is ahead of its time. We didn't get into some of the other stuff. You know, they have an episode that won a GLAAD award um, because Ted Danson has a... Sam has an old ball-playing friend who comes out of the closet in the very early 80s. And this is during the time of the HIV crisis, right? Um they were going to have an episode where Sam had an HIV scare because of all the women he'd been with. Mm -hmm. Later on, he goes to treatment for sex addiction. So they and they, they talk about his alcoholism at various points. They they show um, Diane going into therapy. So there's a lot of things like that where it's ahead of its time. I think in some sense it's a little pacing wise slow at points, but. The dialogue still is great. We were both laughing yeah. through the episodes. Um, I did, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I don't, I've never, because I started watching this in syndication, I don't think I've seen every single episode. Not all it, 275? 275, it would take, that would be my year trying to get caught up on this show. Would I watch the whole thing? Would I binge it start to finish? Probably not. 
But um, I would go back and watch other seasons that I haven't really seen too much of. You know, I watched more of Sam and Diane in syndication than I did Rebecca. I would give her another shot. Um, there's one point where she's in love with her boss and then he gets busted for a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty prescient, you know, today. Um, what did you think? Do you think it holds up or no? I, I think it does in some areas. I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of dated references yeah. and dated humor that we've talked about. Things that sexual harassment-wise, um, smoking in the bar, things that wouldn't hold up necessarily today, right? But are things that I remember from those di- from my childhood. Um, and But I think also, you know, I, I will say that if any comedy could have done without the romantic piece of the will they won't they between Sam and Diane and then Sam and Rebecca I think it's cheers the, the Diane and Rebecca's characters did not jump out to me yeah. I think that this show would have been just as good with the cast and co- and and comedy of all the rest of the people involved well I think it gives you a little at first it, it does draw you in it gives you a little bit of that heart I was talking about earlier I think you could reboot this show um, if you do it the right way, here's how I was thinking about this. Here's how I would reboot it. You still have Cliff and Norm. Mm. I think those two actors, they do stuff, but I think they, they would be like, yeah, we could sit at a bar and, and you allow them to drink real beer because here they had to drink near beer, which is like right. the salt water. Um, but if you have Cliff and Norm and maybe Rhea Perlman is Carla and Sam's like, hey, I'm retiring down to Florida. I found this great seniors place where everybody's swinging and you can hook yeah. up with all these hot chicks who still do yoga. You know, right. <laughs> they're doing yoga and Pilates. These ladies aren't like the old ladies I grew up with. Um, and he passes on the, you know, the keys to the bar to somebody. And maybe that character is the fish out of water, right? And maybe they have a, another waitress who's like, she's the play, the player. Right, you know what right. I mean? So you can still have that longing, that will they, won't they, but you change the dynamic a little bit and you have the the new bar owner trying to figure out how to run a business in kind of with all these old timers. Yeah, right? where everybody knows your name. And I, I think and, and your, new. <laughs> your new bar owner brings ideas of today's culture yeah. where they're like, you can't say that, but you've got all these people that are still acting like they live in the 80s. Right, and maybe they're like, yo, I'm going to put this bar on Instagram, and right. Norm's like, no, then my new wife will know where I am. <laughs> like, right. I don't want pictures right. of me on Insta. Um, they even do that a little bit later, like Rebecca brings in a fax machine. Right. <laughs> for that time. But yeah, I think that that could be a fun... I could see that as a streaming show, you know, kind of, they rebooted Full House into Fuller House, Mm -hmm. right? Things like that. And I could see that kind of happening. So there are definitely some things that don't hold up, but it's not a show where there's not tons of dated references. I mean, they have a landline dial-up phone. They're smoking in a bar. Um, They're making comments to women, but not any that you wouldn't see on things more recent, like Two and a Half Men or How I Met Your Mother. We Mm -hmm. talked about the Black Book. Um, but it's not like a show, like, you know, if, if we ever get to Murphy Brown, so many political references that you can't watch it today. Right. You know, because it doesn't make sense, really. So on the YooHoo scale, how, what do you give oh, Cheers? Oh, the YooHoo. Okay. Out of 10, I'm going to have to think about it. What's, what's your rating? Well, I mean, if Cheers, it's not something I would, I would sit down and 
blow through in a whole weekend and just binge watch. But it is a show that if it were on TV and I'm flicking through channels, not that we do that anymore, and I and I came across it, I'd watch it. Like, I wouldn't turn the channel. I'd be like, oh, okay, this is on. You know, and I would watch it if it was an episode or two on the TV. And so, I mean, I take that into consideration. Like I said, I think it depends on the season as well. I think Woody Harrelson really... I think Woody Harrelson not only was the comedy, but he brought heart to the to that yeah. to that piece too. So I think with all that involved, I think I would give it a solid six yoo-hoos. Okay, I was gonna say an eight. I but I'm a fan of the show. I liked it before. Right. I think enough of it holds up. And I will say, I would. So I'm I teach now, um, and like I would do my homework while watching this show. It's an okay. It's a good background show for me. Like, I clean the kitchen, maybe, um, if I clean the kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would have it on in the background while I clean the kitchen. Am I going to sit there for four hours and binge it? Probably not. But I enjoy it, and I enjoy the 80s uh, nostalgia. And it does, again, like, this is, it, it's like a calming kind of, like, it is. It's a, it's a calming familiarity. Yes. And that's the, whole, that's the whole point of the bar. So that's it. An average of seven. From Megan and Steve, same as He-Man. It, it does average out around <laughs> the same as He-Man. It does average out about yes. the same as He-Man. So, um, next, so that's it for Cheers. Um, that's our, our take, and we'd love to see what you guys think of it. If you watched it again, um, if you haven't, or if you haven't seen it for a long time, did you hate it when it was on? Did you love it? We'd love to hear from you. It was a good conversation. I've gone through half a pack of candy cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. And um, you can also find us, uh, before I close out here, next week we're going to watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit um, and explore the world of cartoon meets live action. So that should be kind of fun. We are going to, later on, we have a whole list we're going to explore and talk about some things that are more well-known and like Cheers and some things that are kind of like forgotten 80s and 90s culture um, that... Maybe only a handful of people have seen, but are still kind of out there uh, online and, and whatnot. So you can also find us. We play Dungeons and Dragons live game every week, and we record those sessions. Yep, that's on YouTube with the Roll Again channel. That's it for today. Once again, my name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And we will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Mm-hmm.